is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Aretha Franklin with Respect. Good morning, this is me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM with Jazz Shapers. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is a place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we bring someone who's shaping the world of business, and we call them a business shaper. My super-duper, uber-special business shaper today is Emma Sinclair. And you may not have heard of Emma Sinclair right now, but by the end of this, you will have done. Emma is the co-founder of Enterprise Jungle. She describes that company as an enterprise software company, we will explain, or she will explain what that means very shortly. She's also done many other things, from working at McDonald's to floating and being the youngest person ever to float a uh, company. It was a property company. Lots coming up from her. In addition to hearing from Emma, you'll hear from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And then we've got the music, of course, and it's brilliant today. Otis Redding is coming up. New music from Cuban vocalist Demi Arosena, and this from Surreal Emmy. The party's rather done isn't it we love to steal away wouldn't we so let's not even ask now should we Let's get lost. Uh, that was Cyril Eme, and I hope I don't get lost today because I'm with a, a f- beautiful, amazing business shaper today, a founder uh, called Emma Sinclair, co-founder, in fact, of Enterprise Jungle, but a founder of other businesses as well. Um, I'm going to say hello first. Hello, because I, I, I feel like I need to bring you in very quickly. Well, thank you for having me. Emma, um, tell me a little bit about Enterprise Jungle and explain to the uninitiated what Enterprise Software does when it's at home. Well, at its most basic with tech, which is a sector that everyone's very excited about, we're actually in HR software and we built the world's first alumni management platform, which to the layman is essentially some goddamn clever software that very large companies use to manage their alumni pool, which is, of course, the largest pool of labour who know your company but don't work for you. Now, you set this up about three, almost four years ago. Um, why? And this wasn't the first venture you set up, but why this particular one? It was your brother as well, is that my right? My brother is my co-founder. And about three years ago, we started looking into the market. And without boring everybody tremendously, we saw a very clear niche. And it became increasingly clear that there was a large pool of labour, alumni, who simply weren't being intelligently harnessed, captured and engaged with. And these days, as we all know, you find your employee pool from anywhere. You don't necessarily have a job for life. You might do a part-time job. You might do one day a week for this company, two days a week for that company. And so we built a platform that effectively made it possible to harness that workforce. Now, that's that's a, a, a kind of an aha moment. And um, Was it yours on your own? Did it happen in conversation? I mean, people, I meet lots of people and, and sometimes they go, it was just annoying me and I had to fix it. Other people go, they were doing it over there, but I improved it. This particular idea, 
Was it a frustration of you in business or was it an observed frustration? No, the thing about enterprise software, so software for very large companies, is it's not that thing where you're just sitting at home and you're just fiddling with your computer, your television, and you suddenly think of that widget that would be essential because it's quite a lot more complex than that. But um, it was the product of effectively a year or so of R&D with my brother, who is the head of product and conceived the product. We were working very closely, building software solutions for very large companies, trying to understand what their pain points were. And we would be talking to CHROs, heads of HR, we're talking to CEOs, CIOs, trying to understand some of the challenges they had and contemplating, number one, software that would help solve that, and number two, software that would help solve that for hundreds of thousands of companies. So we weren't looking to build something that one company would buy or a 100 companies would buy or even a 1,000 companies would buy. We were looking to build something that would create a new market and had real size and scale. Size and scale are always good, aren't they? They are. Stay with me for more from my business shaper who likes size and scale. It's Emma Sinclair. She's co-founder of Enterprise Jungle, and I hope you've got an insight into how her brain works. It's pretty impressive already. Time for some more music. This is Otis Redding with Hard to Handle. Baby, here I am. I'm a man on the scene. I can give you what you want, but you got to go home with me. Got some good old love and then I got some in store. When I get through throwing it on you, you got Otis Redding with the classic hard to handle. Emma Sinclair is my business shape today. Definitely not hard to handle, right, Emma? Easy going. Piece of cake. Piece of cake, yeah. And she's co-founder of Enterprise Jungle, and you heard that that's a pretty complicated thing, although it does clever, clever things, um, uh, complicated to put together and sometimes to explain. Many of the things you've done, and I'm just going to talk about a couple. You've been in the, the, the parking world. Um, you have been, uh, you've set up a business consultancy. You've obviously been in the property world. Tell me a little bit about how you've, rather than going into the specifics of each of these businesses, how did you end up being interested in the things that you ended up doing? Well, I think I've always had an appetite for business. You know, since the age of four, my father took me to school every day. And the thing that we did after we did the times table or how many red cars have you spotted this morning is I used to read him a couple of share prices from the back page of the penultimate page of the FT every morning. So from the age of four to the age of 18, business was just this normal thing that I chatted about with my dad in the car. Um, And it carried on through university. You know, I took my student loans out. Obviously, I don't recommend this to anyone, but I traded them on the stock exchange because working at McDonald's wasn't enough money. So all the way through my life, I've had this sort of vein of business just being a a very normal thing. I've had a vein of the stock exchange not being an ivory tower. It's just a very normal thing because I read my dad the share prices in the morning. And so essentially, I think what I'm probably hardwired to do is to think about business and to look for opportunities. So I don't, as you say, it's not necessarily sector specific. It's about spotting an opportunity and not necessarily a, a new opportunity, just something that perhaps you can do better than other people or approach from a different angle which is definitely what I did in parking. Now, lots of um, uh, children of entrepreneurs, and your your father is an entrepreneur as well, and you, you've alluded to the business thing, lots of them aren't interested. Lots of them are quite successful. Um, lots of them aren't very hardworking. You strike me as someone, and, and just looking at when I, when I do the research, I always say, wow, that's impressive. But you've done many things, and it isn't just for-profit. It's not for-profit as well. Why is your work ethic so strong, do you think? You know, I don't know the answer to these questions, but I get asked them a lot. And the only conclusion I can come to is from parental impact. My father always um, imposed on us a very serious work ethic. 
Um, I have had a job since the age of 16, so a lot of my friends didn't work. But I remember going to McDonald's and begging for a job at 16 because it was the only place that were hiring. I remember taking my CV. I just got my sort of GCSE results. And I, for, to this day, remember the manager of uh, McDonald's, who I kept in touch with for years, saying, I, th- I think you might be overqualified. And me begging him to give me a job. Um, and you know, that's the kind of thing that made my dad proud. And so if I wanted a top shop top when I was you know, 17 and it was something that I didn't really need. I needed to save up and buy it for myself. So it's taught me a lesson. And I think that that is really, really important because times do get hard. And when they do, you need to dig deep. And I think it's those experiences. And it is that grit that gets you through some of the hardship of entrepreneurial life. Because it doesn't matter what your background is or what your, you know, what your experience is. There are a lot of times, days, weeks, months that are really hard. And I think a bit of grit helps prop you up. Stay with me for more from my gritty business shapers. That's Emma Sinclair, uh, co-founder of Enterprise Jungle, but also lots of other things as well, including, by the way, an MBE. She was given a few months ago, I should have mentioned at the beginning. So, uh, Thank you. Well, uh, I was expecting rose petals to be scattered as I walked in. That'll but... be, that'll, that'll be mm. after the traffic and travel, so don't worry. Mm. Uh, that is coming up in a couple of minutes. That's the traffic and travel, not the rose petals. But before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondere for your business. Hello, my name is Derval Walsh. I'm a partner in the contentious banking and finance practice at Mishcon Dorea. One practical tip I would give to all customers who have dealings with their banks is at the start of the relationship, particularly when they're drawing down funding, it is very important to get the necessary professional input from either accountants or lawyers as to the terms being offered by the bank. One of the reasons for doing this at the outset is because it is critical to avoid a situation where there is a dispute a year or two years down the line, at which point the die has been cast, and very often from the perspective of the borrower and the legal or professional advisor, it is a case of damage limitation. So I can't stress highly enough the importance of getting professional assistance at the start so that you set your stall out appropriately. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning. I'm very lucky I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed the last 250, yes, at least 250 of them over the last five years, go to iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, you can find us there. British Airways High Life is a destination, as is cityam.com, and there are many more places. We're everywhere, or rather my guests are everywhere. My guest today is Emma Sinclair, and she's co-founder of Enterprise Jungle and a bit of a serial entrepreneur. She likes rose petals. We didn't have any. I've let her down already. You were talking about grit. Emma, um, and the ability for you to keep on going. It, I imagine you've had lots of bumps, yeah. hell of a lot of bumps, and, and beyond the grit and stuff, where do you go for advice when you're feeling stressed? Well, one of the incredible things that happens when you start a business is you start to have a network of other founders you meet who understand the journey you've trod. And really, um, I think the important thing in life in general, whatever it is you do, whether you're working for a living, not working, in charity, um, if you're at home as a, as a mother or as a father, I think it's important to find your tribe. So people who understand what your daily life consists of and can empathise with what you're going through and give you the sort of advice that you need based on real life experience. So I have an incredible pool of people I go to and depending on what the issue or the challenge is, you know, I know who to call. The other thing is, is that there's also an EQ element to building a business. So it's not always practical business advice, but you need people who can say to you, I know you've had like a crazy hard day, but keep at it because you will get there. Are you the kind of person that prefers people that aren't like you? I mean, it was just uh, recently Theresa May uh, talked about opposites being attractive. In other words, her relationship with uh, 
current the new president of the United States. Do you like people that that are, are, are um, different to you, or do you prefer people just like you, know, driven, gritty? Well, if I think about my friends, I'd say that they were divided into people that I've known my entire life and I've been friends with for 20 or 30 or, or more years. My best friend I've known since the playground. Um, but equally, I have um, an enormous basket of extremely driven, extremely interesting, extremely dynamic, extremely kind and thoughtful entrepreneurs who are some of my closest friends. Um, I took a trip last year to Silicon Valley that was organised um, by... Uh, by Sherry Kutu and Reid Hoffman and um, London and Partners that look after London and Met and sent 12 female entrepreneurs, high growth female entrepreneurs in tech to Silicon Valley and all of the other 11 women on that trip are now some of my closest friends. Our WhatsApp group is one of my best sources of daily wisdom, business advice, life advice. We all keep each other going. So I've got pockets of tribes and of course my father who is a real rock as far as I'm concerned. Stay with me for more from my business shaper, Emma Sinclair. Time for some more music right now. This is Mambo Nama from Daime Arosena. That's the new Cuban music I was talking about earlier. Mambo Nama, I hope I said that properly. Daime Arosena, I hope I said that properly as well, because uh, I'm with Emma Sinclair, and she's a Spanish speaker, uh, did a fine degree at a fine university, uh, happened to be the same university as me, and we're all very similar course as well. Yeah, although I don't get to use it very much. What typically happens is I have friends with you know, outsourcing in Peru or something that have a problem with a factory, and they get me on the phone. Either that or someone is on holiday in a restaurant and wants to order an ice cream. Otherwise, I don't get to use it that much. I mean, joking aside, apart from the Peruvian uh, adventures you describe, um, why did you do a degree? I mean, you strike me as someone that just didn't need to. You, you very clearly are uh, going to want to create stuff, make stuff, sell it, move on. You get bored quickly, I imagine. Why did you bother studying? Well, a few things. First of all, these days I'm quite a refined version of myself and my personality. I know myself very well. But when you're a teenager or you're you know, 17 or 18 applying for university, you don't necessarily know what you're going to become or what you can become. It was my, you know, my family's ambition that I go to university and I was the first person in my family to do so. My parents didn't go to university. And I'm glad that I did because it taught me a lot of life lessons. I spent a year and a half abroad because I studied, I did French, Spanish and Italian. And that taught me independence. Also, you know, everybody in my course that spent a year in France was a teacher um, in, a, in a sort of small town in France. I remember telling the department, I'm getting a job in Paris. I want a job. I want experience. I will never forget being told that there was 11% unemployment in France. And I was very arrogant to think I would find a job. But I did. And so that taught me, you know, I earned my own money. I lived in the capital city overseas. It taught me to meet new people in a new city. And those were all really great skills because it meant also that when I was offered jobs to travel for business later on in life in investment mm. banking, I took them. Real life experience that I'm really grateful for. It strikes me that uh, there's a kind of um, contradiction in you, though. On the one hand, you really like the, the, the group, the WhatsApp group you described and that that interdependence with other people and yet you also strike me as super independent and super kind of you know your own mind now and maybe it's taken years how do you reconcile the desire to kind of have your own space but also be interconnected with all these other people you describe I think that's an ideal state within reason I think you know we we should all aspire to know ourselves and be comfortable with ourselves and be clear about what we want and what we need from life 
And I think it's also a wonderful thing to have incredible people around you from who you can either draw inspiration or just do nothing with. So I consider it to be a, a great state of affairs. I mean, ultimately, you probably have to be fairly independent if you're building a business. You need to know where to pick up the phone fast if something's happening. You need to, if you're ambitious, you want to grow your business fast, sales, whatever element it is, hiring. You know, your ne- a network is, is your net worth, as they say. But um, I consider, I, I'd say in the last year or two, I really consider myself very lucky because I have just met the most incredible people people who almost make me feel like I'm very complete. And that's, you know, that's, I think that's one of the upsides of the stressful life that is entrepreneurialism is meeting incredible and dynamic people because those are, those are my favorite people. I'm, I would rather go and listen to an amazing founder speak than, you know, than, than go to theatre. Final chat coming up with Emma Sinclair, my business shaper today. Plus we'll be playing a track from Bobby Womack. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. All the leaves are brown And the sky is grey I went for a walk On a winter's day that was the brilliant Bobby Womack with his take on California dreaming. Emma Sinclair is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. Um, the ambition at the heart of you, Emma, uh, interesting just listening to you because I, I kind of don't know what it is. Is it that I don't know if it's about the money, though the money is a byproduct. I don't know if it's about creating new stuff and I don't know if it's about just being stimulated by fantastic people that you meet. If it was one thing that you had to put above the others, what would you say drives you every day? Mm, I think I've learned over time that as you build things, as you become, whether it's a bit more financially independent or whether you have a voice, that voice is absolutely incredible because you can use it for change. So I think that cumulatively all of those things will allow me to make changes in places where I'd like to make changes. And that is exciting and intoxicating and something worth working hard for, I think. And your eyes say to me that you're always working hard, but when do you ever switch off? When do you sort of go, do you know what? I need a little break from being the change agent, from being the person that's going to bring the light to the room, who's going to have the idea, who's going to go at a million miles an hour. Is there a time when you say, enough, I need to have a little break here? Always. I guard my private and quiet time religiously. I meditate to give myself a little bit of mental space. It was a hard habit to get into, but some of the most interesting people advocated it and the science behind it is really very interesting Um, and I make sure that I do you know I'm very family orientated so it doesn't matter how busy I am you know my grandma is increasingly spending time in London so I will make time whatever's happening my day if she needs to go somewhere I'll take her so I try and balance and that is a great thing about effectively being your own boss is that whilst you have constant responsibility and may have to go home and do something at two o'clock in the morning it does also mean for example last night I could go to cinema at 10 p.m because I wanted to and and your style of, of leadership, I imagine it encompasses all the things you've touched on, which is I, I'm guessing you're pretty straightforward. I'm guessing... Very black and white. You don't suffer fools gladly, and you probably don't like shirkers either. Just It's just a hunch, Emma, just a hunch. Are all those things true? I feel like you've asked my friends about me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I value honesty. Um, I sometimes say that if I was less tired, maybe I would be less to the point, but actually I hope that's not true. I think that life is very crowded. There's a lot of noise. And, you know, one of the great things about either knowing who you are or being quite direct is when you meet that in somebody else, you really get to interesting stuff pretty quickly. So I end up having, I feel, amazing chats with people that maybe five or 10 or 20 years ago I might not have had because I might not have been as forthcoming or, 
you know, 20 years ago, you, I wouldn't have said a word to somebody I didn't know. I wouldn't have put my hand up in a room. I was always very, very quiet. So I feel like a lot of the tools of entrepreneurialism have just made life more interesting. And that confidence to talk, to speak in public, to also write. You like writing, you like observing, yeah. and there aren't many entrepreneurs that actually enjoy that discipline. Why do you? What does it feel like when you're actually capturing what's going on? So when the Telegraph launched Wonder Woman that was started by Emma Barnett, I was asked, would I be the launch columnist? And I really didn't want to. I didn't like the idea of writing in the first person. I didn't really like the idea of sharing anything about my life. It seemed a little bit weird. How could I write? How could I balance it with work? But what I've learned, because that was five years ago now, is that having a voice is an incredible thing. So if there's something I feel strongly about, I'm able to write about it, whether it's whichever paper or whether it's on television or on the radio like this. I get the chance to say things that count and perhaps in some small way, influence. And so that is really gratifying. And, you know, you learn. You learn when you have a business because you are the one that needs to sell to speak up and to articulate what you want to say. So you can't really you can't really hide and you can't really be shy when you start a business anyway. Um, just before we go to your song choice, it occurs to me, obviously, you're, you know, there aren't as many women in business, women running their own businesses, there are men, and that we are seeing more and more come through. What would you say to a mother listening... Uh, in terms of advice that they might give their daughter or a young woman listening who might want to start their own business? What would be the one thing that they need to focus on to make it happen? Well, before I answer that, two things. Firstly, more women are starting businesses than men these days in the United Kingdom. And secondly, I think my advice would probably be agnostic in terms of to mothers speaking to their boys or their girls. I think understanding technology and coding, because really that is going to open every single door. Um, and it's also it teaches you logic, meticulous thinking. And there are so many incredible kids toys that allow you to play and code anything for the age of two up. So definitely that should be on their birthday or Christmas present list, I think. Excellent advice. Emma, thank you. You've earned your call. And I'm sorry about the rose petals, but um, you, you've given great advice to uh, everyone listening. Just tell me one, one last thing. What's your song choice and why have you chosen it? My song choice is Fever by Peggy Lee. Throughout my teens, I couldn't understand why I loved Blondie. Um, Deborah Harry and why I love this song and then many years later my my grandpa gave me some VHS videos of The Muppet Show which I grew up watching religiously over and over again and on it and on some of the first uh, series were these songs and one of the first songs and the first episodes I ever watched um, had fever on it and so it obviously stayed with me forever because it's been one of my favourite songs Here it is just for you Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever That was Fever from Peggy Lee, the song choice of my business shaper today, Emma Sinclair. Someone full of grit, a really hard-working ethic, which was fantastic. Someone who understood the power of network and of being really connected to people that can understand what you're going through. And someone for the future who said, if you're going to tell your children one thing, it's about getting close to technology and understanding coding. I think she's absolutely right. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, for another edition of Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. But meanwhile, stay with us, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs>